Is it well with your soul? Pray that it is. How would you like to be remembered someday when it comes time for people to come and celebrate your funeral, your home going? How would you like to be remembered? What would you want on your tombstone? Well, if you're from Wisconsin, they'd say pepperoni. (laughs) You'd have to be from Wisconsin to know that tombstone is a brand of pizza up there. Would you like to be remembered as a good parent or a good spouse or a good pastor or a good teacher? You know, what do you want written? What would be your legacy? Well, if it were left up to my kids, my tombstone would probably say, Dad's still crazy after all these years. That's why a number of years ago I decided what I wanted on mine. I wanted three words, vision, mission, and passion. Now, since I've kind of fleshed that out to say, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. And so it is here on our first anniversary here at Restore, I I want to apply these words to this gathering of disciples to not only kind of remind us where we've been, but where we need to continue to go. And this applies not only to Restore, but Mark, it it implies that it would be the same thing for praise and worship, our mama church, if you will. So let's start with see the vision. Now, there's a great Bible verse, Proverbs 29, 18a. I think it's just the first half of the verse where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Actually, I think in one translation, it says the people cast off restraint. In other words, you got no vision. You just do all kinds of nutty stuff. Well, we're not about doing nutty stuff. We're about God's vision. Now, sadly, today, if you look around, uh, there is a lack of vision in government. I'm not going to say any more about that. There's a lack of vision in families, in relationships, in businesses, in marriages, in schools. And yes, there is even a lack of vision in churches. There is no focus. Things spin out of control, and as a result, they lose their driving focus. They lose their energy. And I say, God forbid that happened at Praise and Worship or at Restore or any other place that names the name of Jesus. Lynn Anderson is one of my favorite Christian authors. He describes what happens when people lose their vision. Let me read this to you. A group of pilgrims landed on the shores of America 350 years ago. With great vision and courage, they came to settle into the new land. That sounds like restore. In the first year, they established a town. In the second, they elected a town council. Hmm. Well, in the third, the government proposed building a road five miles westward into the wilderness. But in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach the town council because they thought such a road into the forest was a waste of public funds. Somehow these forward-looking people had lost their vision. Once able to see across oceans, they now could not look five miles into the wilderness. Wow, what a lack of vision. So what's the remedy to all of this? Well, what can we at Restore... Uh, one year after we launched, learn from this. How do we keep our vision for Restore and actually not just keep our vision? How do we manage to sharpen it? And I'm going to suggest, again, it's vision, mission, and passion. And I'm going to start with, first of all, vision. Because we all need a vision of the past. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? Let me share two great scriptures. Deuteronomy 32. Remember the days of old. Okay, we want to do that. 
<laughs> days of old, what, one year ago? Uh, consider the generations long past. Well, one year ago. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain it to you. But another one, this is for you, Mark. This comes from Romans. I had to throw a couple of Romans passages in for you today. For everything that was written in the past was written to do what? Teach us. So that through endurance and what? The encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So God's goals and plans are magic keys, if you will, to happiness and success. But it has been said that really only about 3% of all people actually have goals and plans. It's kind of interesting. And and only 3% actually write down their goals and plans. You know, some of you made New Year's resolutions, which you broke on January the 2nd. You know, 10% more have goals, uh, but they just kind of keep it all in their head. They don't share it with anybody. But it's said that about 87% of all people uh, go through life without any plans or goals or visions or whatever. Uh, They don't know where they're going. Uh, how they're going or what they're going to do when they get there. And as a result, other people are happy to tell them where to go and what to do and how to act. Sounds like 2023. Those stats ought to kind of motivate us to set some personal goals, establish a plan of action, and then fulfill them by committing our goals, and our plans to what God has intended for us as congregations, whether you're worshiping in Galena well, you're a little bit further outside of Galena, some little place I can't remember the name of. Oh, we're in Galena. Yeah, Galena. <laughs> uh, close, close enough, or whatever. <laughs> now, please note the Creator committed His plans and His goals to writing. It's called the Bible. You ever hear that? Do you have your goals and plans committed to writing? Isaiah 43 reminds us forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. The grind started three years ago. That's in the past. It was good. It's good memories. And I'm glad we took the good stuff, the vision, the mission and passion out of that. And we got up here. And now a year later, we cannot sit around and rest on our laurels. Is the vision, the mission and the passion the same? Is it the same for you guys? He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Yeah, why is that? Well, because some, the past brings stuff with it. You ever notice how, how the past always kind of. Ah, Lena, do you remember way back when? Ah, that's what the path does. It, it throws stuff in front of you. Another one of my favorite books, I read this a long time ago. I love this one. Sacred Cows Make Gourmet Burgers. Isn't that a great title of a book? Sacred Cows Make Gourmet Burgers. Uh, Robert Kriegel wrote that book. And I like this quote. Making decisions and controlling what happens is more important in established churches than making disciples. Isn't that kind of scary? More interested in this rather than this, sending people out. Well, you ever heard any of these before? We've never done it that way before. We tried that once and it didn't work. Uh, Well, no one does that in our church. Uh, We don't do that stuff here. Oh, this is way too radical of a change for us. Um, boy, if only it were that easy. You know, when you've been around this church longer, you'll know why it, why it can't be done. How about this one? Uh, how dare you criticize what we're doing at this church? Or, we've been running this church a long time before you ever got here, Pastor. 
Who gave you the permission to change things? And by the way, your suggestion violates the rules and the Constitution. I have heard every last single one of them in the churches that I have pastored. Did it deter me? No. (laughs) Not at all. Because God's vision and God's mission and the Holy Spirit's passion overrides all of that stuff. So we also need to see a vision for today. Romans, Mark, I get another Romans passage for you here. It says, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I'm doing the funeral of a 91-year-old and a 100-year-old. Guess what? Some people would say, well, that's a long time. Well, no, God was ready. So God has established these things. And he goes on and he says here, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But here's the third thing we also need to do. We need a vision for tomorrow. What are we going to do next, God willing? Well, in the coming days and weeks and months, uh, we're still going to see how the Lord is pushing us out even further into this community. Yesterday, we got shoved inside for a change. You can pick one of these things up. But we've been working with Cam. Now, most of that ministry is over at White River. This is where we get to meet a couple of fine people from White River. But yesterday, they came into us. And it's moving us out. And and we just continue to pray that God continues to get us out of this building. The only thing we want to do in this building is what? Worship and do a little bit of Bible study and encouragement for people to leave this place, not to hunker down in this place and hide from the rest of the community. No church should be that way. That's my thought. But then again, I'm loony. Um, We need a vision for tomorrow. Uh, James 4, listen to you say today or tomorrow we will go do this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. And if I could edit the Bible, and this is a scary thing, I might add, do this or that now. Now is as good a time as any. We also need a vision for our future. Again, John 14, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? This is really good stuff. I'll come back and take you to be with me because that's where I am. That's why even in the midst of the tears, you can preach funeral sermons, Mark. Because you know that believer took his last breath or her last breath here and the next breath going, Jesus what a cool deal that is. But we also need that vision for the future. Yeah. Uh, and how do, we, how do we find that vision? I suggest it's the three things church, every church ought to be doing. And one of them is worship. That's what we're doing today. They ought to have some form of Bible study. We kind of do that at the end. It's called talkback time. You get to quiz me after a while or challenge me or say, that was really stupid. Can you explain it? Uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll give you a chance to do that before we let you eat, by the way. Um, <laughs> It's through, and through prayer. We pray for people. We pray for things. 
And see, these are the tools of a disciple. That's why we just finished six weeks in First Timothy in something called equip you. <laughs> equip you to do those things. But you also got to live the mission. Uh, and there's only one, by the way. It's God's mission. And this mission is, first of all, the great co-mission. It's a joint project. You all know this passage. Jesus came to them. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in case you missed this about the great commission, I did not say it's the great omission. It's not optional. It's not just Barry's job. It's not just Mark's job. It's not just a few of the so-called frozen chosen or whatever you want to use. It's everybody's job. It's not optional. It's never up to a vote. Uh, It's non-negotiable. And it's not just the work of a few people. And it's not just saying, bless you, Barry. Bless you, Mark. Thanks for taking us off the hook. Doesn't mean that at all. It's the great go mission. Acts 1.8, I love this passage. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You ever had the Holy Spirit's power come on you? Anybody read about the Asbury revival that's going on now? The Holy Spirit fell on the whole student body the other day. And man, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit falls on you. Well, it fell on you the day of your baptism, too. I mean, it's all cool stuff. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I I used that passage one time in a sermon. People said, Pastor, are you talking about taking us on a mission trip? I go, what? You talked about Jerusalem and Samaria. We don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> now let me explain. Now I'll go back and preach another sermon. It says, you, you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. These might be as close as your own family. It might be as close as your next door neighbor. Or it might even be some of you today. I don't know. Now, to be a witness, I put this thing together. I've learned this a long time. I shared this with guys in prison. What's a witness do? Well, W, they walk the talk. I, they initiate conversations. Gosh, Barry, why do you go to Hollister Coffee Company every morning? Listen and initiate a conversation. Talk about your faith. And I know some of you are going to say, hold it, the next one doesn't start with a K. But when I was little, I probably spelled no with an N. You need to know the word. That's why you are a disciple. You express your concern. You listen to stories and sometimes you go, oh, man, that's really that's really sad. Or, wow, that's something I might be able to help you with. Show you care. And offer to say a prayer. That's how you go about doing it. It's not uh, brain surgery if you will. Pretty easy. And guess what? It works. It works. I can prove it from the Bible. Should I prove it from the Bible for you? Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. I love this one. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is what? So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. The question is, why do we keep on waiting to do that? Well, understand, friends, 
there are some people who are more interested in playing church than being the church. I don't mean to be harsh by saying that because we got a really great group of people that restore, and I know you got a really great group of people out of praise and worship. But there are a lot of people who only want to play church. They don't want to be the church. And I'm going to tell you something that may shake a few of you. Answers to this are generally not found in boards or committees or constitutions. It's found in the hearts of God's people. I heard a sermon a number of years ago, probably Lutheran in origin. Uh, the, the message title was, How do we get them to go when our motto is, Here I stand? Mark actually understood that one. <laughs> how about this? A pastor uh, began his sermon this way. I'd like to make three points today. First, there are millions of people in this world who are going to hell. Uh, second, most of us here today don't give a damn. And then after a pause, he said, my third point is that some of you are more concerned about the fact that your pastor used the word damn than you are about the people living in our neighborhood. Is that truth? Probably. See, the mission fields are ripe, whether we know it or not. A lot of people think Branson, oh, Branson, Tanny County, well, gosh, this is a really Christian place. I mean, to go to every show in town and listen to all the music and they sing all this Christian stuff. I got news for you as a church consultant. I hunt this stuff up. Even though Taney County has 100 or more churches, 65% of this county is unchurched. That means two out of every three people you meet are not church. I'm not saying they're not saved. But do you think there's a little bit of work to be done out there? The question is, let me ask you this question. What is 750,000 miles long, reaches around the world 30 times, and it grows 20 miles uh, longer each day? Somebody said, well, it's your sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the answer is, it's the line of people who are without Jesus in this world. I found it's kind of interesting. Put another way, if only 1,000 people lived on planet Earth, 329 would call them Christians, 178 would be Muslims, 167 non-religious, 132 Hindus, 60 Buddhists, 45 atheists, and 3 Jews. The 86 others would be divided equally amongst other religions. And I thought to myself, we must evangelize as disciples, and we must, must disciple the evangelize. we got a job out there. Let's talk a little bit about passion. Anybody passionate? I'm kind of passionate about this today. I, the sad thing is there are a lot of people, perhaps, who would say, you know, Pastor, I would be doing this if I had the power or the seminary education. I thought, oh, gosh, seminary education will kill you anyway. Uh, I got through, I, we got through the seminary unscathed so that we could continue to be disciple makers. Uh, but, wow, yeah, I'll get around to it when the Spirit moves me. Uh, do you understand how silly that is to say that? You see, friends, what we're waiting on, the Holy Spirit is here. I've seen the feathers this morning. Holy Spirit's here. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power, dunamis. There's my Greek for the day. Dynamite. You will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, what, witnesses. Greek word martyria, which is martyr. You will be my martyrs. Oh, gosh, I didn't sign up for that. You will be my martyrs. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And you're going, oh, thank God I don't live over there. Well, I used to think that until they sent me to Russia, and then they sent me to Thailand, and then they sent me to India, and then they sent me to all these other different places. God is going to send you where he wants to. See, it just says that if you're a Christ follower, you already got the Spirit. 
And if you have the spirit, guess what? You've also got the power. And if you got you got a great reason then to use that power. Philippians 2, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When I spoke to about 900 people in Kazakhstan and that Bible passage was read to the people, 900 people stood up and gave it a standing ovation because that's what they were looking for. And they knew they were heading back to their own countries like Uzbekistan and all these other stands. And it's going to be difficult. See, at the end of time, Jesus said, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. But for some people, it's not going to be a good time. Judgment Day is going to have plenty of examples of people who thought, maybe I can do this tomorrow or next day. Matthew 7 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does what? The will of my Father who's in heaven. Now, with that being said, I'm going to end here. Probably thank God right now. Um, a little study on Matthew 5 and John 3.16. I'm just calling it salt and light. I really should have made a copy of this for you. There's another little thing I kind of keep in my tools, but maybe I'll lay it out next week. And if you want one, just email me or whatever. I'll send you a copy of this. But be sensitive to other people's needs. Be available to share your faith. This is part of being salt. To listen carefully beyond the words that people say. I sat with a couple on Saturday morning. And we got to talking about marriages. And they asked me if I'd done a lot. I said, done a lot of them. What about funerals? I said, it's funny you should bring that up. I got two coming up this week. And I said, how about you? And the lady began to tear up. I didn't know exactly at the beginning whether it was marriage or whether it's funerals. And I said, is anything wrong? But we have a person in our family also dying. Does this person no, now you got a great opportunity to do what? Listen carefully what they say and turn the conversation to Christ. Does this person know Jesus? Well, thankfully, the answer to that question was yes. But sometimes the answer is no. And now you have a chance to do what? Bring Jesus into the conversation. It's not that hard. It's harder putting on my cowboy boots than it is to bring Jesus into a conversation. The passion, the love of God, your inner faith in God, the gift of God, the hope of eternal life to trust God today, that's all part of our passion. Let's pray. Lord, enable us to see the vision, past, present, tomorrow. God willing, the future. Enable us to live the mission, your mission to go and make disciples. And then by the very presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives, may we feel the passion. May we truly desire to reach the world for Jesus. In his precious and powerful name, we pray. Amen.